Welcome back everyone to Top Deck Insight. My name is Sam and I'm joined by my co-hosts today, Josh and Sarah. We're three friends who love Magic the Gathering and we have created this podcast to bring to you our enlightened conversations. If you like what we do, follow us on Twitter at Top Deck Insight. Now let's get into the episode. So guys, this weekend you both played in the Arena Open. Mm-hmm. Yep. How did you guys do? Josh, do you want to go first? We had very contrasting experiences, as yes. I understand it. Huh. Um, so my approach to the Open, as I've said in previous episodes, was that uh, I, do, I do like the idea. Um, I think that there was a bit more responsibility that Wizards could take around making it you know, infinite entries on day one. Um, I think that whilst they're not being you know, actively predatory, they could do more to limit how many times somebody participates for day one. It feels a bit cash grabby to me to allow people to just keep entering as much as they want. Um, so in that spirit, uh, I was planning to only enter once. Um, if I wanted to enter more times, I, you know, I would have paid for it but my intention going in was to enter once and so I was going to stick with that Uh, so I pulled some really nice cards in my sealed uh, my sealed pool I pulled Quintorius and Hoffrey the Lawhold mythic and uncommon Um, I pulled a bunch of strong Lawhold cards I pulled Lawhold excavation uh, and actually the um, red white snarl as well Uh, Mm -hmm. so I, I had really strong red white and I was really happy with my deck. And I was playing in best of three. Um, so I didn't record this because I wanted to be able to focus, uh, give it all of my attention. But I, I, I can show you on 17 lands, which was logging at the time. Game one, I got super mana flooded. Um, and I managed to scrape together a win, even though I was... So I actually, I was playing, I think, 16 lands in the deck. Mm. Um, and I got super mana flooded game one. I managed to scrape together a win, but not by much. Uh, I was up against, like, a Witherbloom deck, splashing blue and white. Uh, they had Kazmina. Uh, that was one of the bombs that they pulled. I really felt like I could beat the deck. Um, going into game two... I got completely mana screwed. I kept a two land hand on the draw with Pilgrim of the Ages in my hand, which is a three mana creature, which when it enters the battlefield lets you find a planes from your deck and put it into your hand. So if I could just draw one more land, I would have no more mana issues for the rest of the game. Could not get off two lands until about turn four or five. And by then I was just too far behind and I couldn't catch back up. Um, so I lost that game and then we went into game three and I had one land in my first starting hand for game three. So I put that back, mulliganed it, and then drew six lands in a spell. And I thought, okay, I don't, I, I don't think this is, I mean, this isn't a keep, but I'm running 16 lands. Six of them are in my hand and... There are 
33 more cards in my deck. So I have a 30% chance of drawing a land, a 60, 60-70% chance of drawing spells that I can play. Um, so I kept the hand, and my first draw was land, and my second draw was land, and my third draw was land. And then I started drawing some spells. What was the first spell you had in your hand? What was it? Do you remember? I think it was a burn spell. I think it was rip apart. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then I drew like a lightning bolt and a rise of Exodus. Mm. Uh, so I drew a fair amount of removal, which helped. But yeah, ultimately I, I died with like five lands in hand and nothing else. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, that was it. I was out in best of three. Uh, once you lose one game, you're out. Mm. Uh, so I was really happy with the deck that I built. And I'm actually quite disappointed that I didn't get to play the deck more. Did you keep it? you added to decks yeah i think i saved it okay. if i didn't then it is logged in 17 lands so oh, I, true. I can recreate yeah. it um but yeah I, I was a bit gutted that i didn't get to really do well with the deck because i think that it was uh i think it could have been a winning deck like it felt like a strong deck to me uh i was a bit disappointed to have gone out so early um like not even picking up a single win yeah I was, I was a bit disappointed about that but sometimes that happens mm. that yeah that's magic that's magic yeah especially when you only have one chance like once you've lost one yeah, so it's, it's it's difficult foolish. to judge which so on day one of the open you can choose to do best of one or best of three and in best of one you need to win seven matches and you have three lives which is quite okay. a lot like a normal strict saving draft um, and then best of three, you have to win four matches, which is effectively eight games, mm-hmm. and lose none of them. In fact, you have to go four yeah. zero. But the drawback is it costs four thousand five hundred gems to enter. If you win on day one, you get two thousand gems back. If you win on day two, you get five thousand gems back. Okay. I think we, what you mean to say is if you win best of one, yeah, you get two thousand. Oh, yeah, that's back. what I meant to say. Sorry. If you win best of three, right. you get five thousand. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, so <clears> the <throat> the risk is higher with best of three. The reward is also a little bit higher. Um, I went with best of three, ironically, yeah. because uh, sometimes you can just <laughs> I can't believe I'm going to say this, but sometimes you can just lose to bad luck in best of one. Like you can lose a game because you just got mana screwed or mana flooded. The odds mm. of you having mana issues. <laughs> uh, and that causing you to throw the whole game uh, is a lot less likely in best of three. Best of three tends to, uh, so your result in best of three tends to. Uh, this is this is a theory actually. This is unproven, but I believe that your result in best of three matches uh, more closely aligned with your actual skill level than your result in best of one. Mm. Because you're not just you know it's not like fifty fifty whether you're on the player on the draw. Uh, you're going to get your turn on the draw and on the play. And, uh, yeah, so best of three, I think, is a bit more consistent. Uh, at least that was the theory. <laughs> um, in this case, it, I guess it would have been the wrong decision. Uh, you know, if I'd have had the same hands mm. across my three games, then I would have been able to play a fourth game if I'd have played best of one. Because I managed to scrape together that first win, I would have had mana issues the first three games. Uh, but then maybe that would have been all of my mana issues for the competition out of the way, and Lady Luck would have <laughs> given me some playable hands from then on. Mm. Uh, and then I would have been uh, possibly quids in. So, yeah. In hindsight, I, well, I, I don't know. I don't know what I would have done differently, really. I don't think there's much more I could have done. Like, I, I cut a land and still had mana issues. Yeah. I also think that... I think a, a lot of people I watch, uh, like, 
the top players like Ben Stark and Deathsea and stuff, they all did best of one uh, for day one. So maybe that was like the better choice. I guess, but then at the same time, they don't really care about gems. Yeah, so yeah. the other side of it is if you're planning on getting to day two, no matter how much it costs you, best of one is faster. Mm. Um, and so if you're a streamer who's on stream and just running at it repeatedly, mm. then yeah, yeah I, I can see making best of one, uh, the one you go with in that case. Maybe I'll do best of one next time. I'm not really, I'm not really sure. Um, I do think, though, that even though I was pretty disappointed and even though I kind of carved out two hours of my time to focus on this um and then within 30 minutes mm -hmm. i was out uh i didn't jump back in because i said that i would enter once and that felt more in keeping with the spirit of the competition to me uh so i didn't jump back in yeah, yeah. uh though i could have you know i had the money and i had the time uh if you make an intention like that going in I think it's important to stick to it. I think with games like Magic, um, both paper and online, uh, with Arena, you should set an intention and then stick to that, uh, whether that's the amount of money you're going to spend on it or the amount of time you're going to spend on it. And then same for Paper Magic. You know, boosters can kind of... Uh, boosters can... Opening boosters can be an addicting feeling for some people. Uh, so set an intention and stick to that before you're in the game, before you're in the game store. I think is an important way to mm -hmm. not just burn through money and and whether you're going to regret it or not, just don't, you know, try not to spend money that you weren't intending to spend at the start of the day. Mm. But that's enough about me uh, <laughs> whining about <laughs> the, the worst part of magic, which is the lands. lands. Uh, Sam, why don't you tell us how you did? So contrastingly, I did very well on day one. Um, I managed to make it through day one, doing traditional best of three. Uh, I went 4-0 with the deck, so the deck that I managed to get, it was really good. The deck I went with in the end was Silver Quill Splashing Red uh, for heated, heated Debate, which is a two red instant speed, deals four damage to any creature or planeswalker, can't be countered. One of the most primo removal spells in the format. Um, really powerful spell, so definitely wanted to splash those. And I had two of them, uh, so that was nice and easy. Um, obviously, playing Silver Quill isn't as as an aggro deck. It is difficult to splash because you kind of it's bad. It's 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 more punishing to have bad mana in an aggro deck because you need to be doing things straight away off the bat. Um, but I managed to make it work. I think I had a couple canvases, uh, a bit of fixing, environmental sciences as well. Which is <laughs> I feel I feel like the the theme is if you don't pull environmental sciences in your sealed pull like that card just wins yeah. it's really weird but that card is really good Yeah. Um, for those that aren't aware environmental sciences is two colourless oh well colourless colourless I guess uh, it's a lesson card so you want to have it in your sideboard to fetch from your cards that learn and it is a sorcery speed uh, lets you fetch any land from your library into your hands gain two life seems pretty mediocre but it is so so good yeah it's uh, really good in this format yeah and uh i think it's like you said the fixing is okay in uh in strict save and limited but uh environmental sciences is like really premium fixing yeah so if you manage to if you're lucky enough to get one in your sealed pool then you're really sorted lessons are really powerful in sealed because because it's like six packs and you're not picking the lessons mm -hmm. if that makes sense you, you have access to so many or like usually um, so Lesson of Man is quite powerful in Seal, I've noticed. But yeah, so the deck performed really well. It was best of three. 
there were some really good games. Um, I did record all of them and stream them, so I'll be able to upload them onto the YouTube channel uh, or upload the game that I think was really good. I think you watched it, Josh. Yeah. It was kind of, I think it was another Silver Quill deck I played against. Uh, and they were basically sort of out-aggroing me, and I was able to... I did tilt a little bit at the end and made some bad plays, but I think before that, I was making some incredible plays. Yeah, you can and, see uh, it on stream. Yeah. You can see, like, every little thing they did, you you were like, stop! Oh my god, <laughs> they how did. do they just keep having gas? <laughs> they, and, yeah, and, yeah you, you were starting to fray at the edges a little bit, and, and you, your play was starting to get a bit sloppy, but you kept it yeah. cool enough. Uh, to get you through to the win, it was a really good game. It was a really good game. They they basically they gassed out and they were top decking and I had slightly bigger board, but they had done so much damage to me that I was just a bit afraid to attack. But then they started top decking like mage hunters onslaught after mage hunters onslaught, which just kills my creatures. And I was like, please stop, <laughs> please stop doing this. Um, and I managed to pull, I managed to clutch the game out very closely. Um, it was a really good match, really good. Yeah. Yeah. So I was really happy with my performance. Obviously going four zero. The, I didn't stream the last game because I wanted to... I streamed managed, managed to stream three three games and then the client started screwing around so I couldn't play the fourth one, which is really bad. Like yeah. If I hadn't had any other yeah. time that day, that's it. That's the yeah, one dead. That, that was pretty bad. So yeah. for anybody who didn't partake in the sealed event, uh, the, the arena open over the weekend, uh, at some point in the day, the client started bugging for everybody so mm-hmm. whenever you did anything whenever you finished a match edited a deck whatever you'd get a black screen and you have to restart the client to get it working again mm-hmm. so you could still play but you basically had to re- reboot the client get straight into your game play it out and then as soon as it's over black screen and you have to reboot again uh, and <laughs> it's i mean it's it's pretty bad but mm-hmm. You can only expect so much stability from a small indie <laughs> game developer like Wizards of the Coast. Uh, you know, when it comes to these kind of family-run, tiny, passionate, mm-hmm. uh, independent businesses like Hasbro, <laughs> you've really you've got to cut them some slack. Yeah, you, you definitely have to, don't you? Um, <laughs> yeah, it's an embarrassment, isn't it? Like, <laughs> it's really bad. Yeah. The, the amount of so, like when you think about the amount of players that would have been playing the Open. It was obviously a really busy weekend because of the Open. There's a chance to win $2,000. Everyone's going to be playing in it. It costs 4500 in gems, which is effectively like £25, £24, yeah. or $25. And like the sheer amount of people doing it. I could say there's probably like over a million players on the client at the same time. That's $25 million or pounds mm-hmm. or their currency. What are they doing yeah, with what that? Are they spending yeah. the money on? What are they spending the money on? Obviously, that's not the exact numbers. They're probably earning more because of the amount of extra runs people would do. Yeah. But like, what is going on there? Mm-hmm. It is. Uh, I don't know what they're pouring their money into, but they must have so much of it. And it, it you know, it begs yeah. the question: What? Are, yeah, what I are they doing? I would love to it? see their list of priorities, and I'd yeah. love to see where stable, playable client <laughs> is sits on that list. Because it's definitely not at the top from what we've seen. Um, <laughs> and it's unfortunate. I think a lot of people work... There's a lot of people complaining on Twitter about how scummy Wizards were this weekend and how they were... You know, people people lost their games because of, like, disconnecting mid-match. And yeah. I was like, yeah, that is painful. Not okay, yeah. mm-hmm. It's not, it's not, is it? Um, luckily, I wasn't uh, affected by that too much. I managed to... Yeah, I played my game off-stream, managed to win it, uh, got 4-0, got to day two. 
Um, yeah, it was really good. Got all my gems back. 5,000 gems for winning day one. Um, yeah, it was good fun. It was a good experience. And then, so day two was... I didn't stream day two. because Oh, I did actually. I did stream day two. I did record it. But it was over quite swiftly. I went one, two, unfortunately. Mm. Um, so with day two, you have best of three. Everyone has to do best of three. You don't get to choose best of one or best of three. New card pool. Um, you have to win seven best of three matches. And you have two chances. So okay. I went one, two. The card pool, the card, the deck that I built was... So I had I had a bit of like a panic. Um, because the first deck I built was pretty much the same it was silver quill splashing two heated debates yeah <laughs> um, it was almost exactly the same but it was just way lower quality mm -hmm. uh, the card quality was way worse there wasn't a whole lot of good creatures there was a lot of spells uh instances sorceries and stuff and i was like this isn't what i want to be doing i want to be playing a bunch of creatures uh, i was it was hard to fill out the deck i played a match with it lost the first one i switched over to a wither bloom splashing blue for some sort of like ramp because uh, i had some really good ramp cards I had I had the the mythic rare green blue uh, ramp card that's like a creates an XX fractal for the number of cards in your library, mm. which is really good. I I ended up not playing um, it in the body of power. Yeah, something like that. that. Something, something like that. Yeah, I I don't actually remember if I played it or not because of the casting cost. Yeah, because uh, I, I decided in the end that I was going to be base black because black my black cards were really good. Mm -hmm. um, it's like the least splashable card. Yeah, imaginable. it's green, 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 blue, blue, blue. <laughs> so it's like a niv mizzet of, yeah. of uh, Quandrix. But yeah, so I wasn't able to use that card, unfortunately, as far as I remember. I, at least I didn't cast it. But yeah, I had other good ramp cards. I had a bunch of field trips. I had a bunch of uh, Eureka moments and things. It was a really good sort of ramp base. And then the black cards were just good that I had to do all three colors. I won one match with it. It formed exactly how it did. It survived the early game and then late game just completely took over. Um, and then game three, the third match, I lost to a Boros aggro or a Lawhold aggro. Sorry. <laughs> um, a Lawhold aggro deck. It was, it was pretty much, I just wasn't able to survive the early turns. They had like Tome Shredder and I think they were, they were Lawhold's flashing black and they had like Tome Shredder with like Poet's Quill and I was like, this is insane. This thing is yeah. growing huge, <laughs> gaining them life every turn and, and growing bigger every turn. I can't deal with it. Poet's Quill is such a good card. Poet's Quill is amazing. Uh, 10 out of 10 bomb. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so unfortunately it went 1-2 but, you know, I was really happy with my um, performance. I didn't expect to really get seven wins in. It, there was a chance but, you know, it was fun either way. I wasn't too bummed out about it. Um, definitely was exhausted. Like, I concentrated so hard on all of the matches. It's, it's fun. It's the most I've been, like, focused in Arena for a while. Yeah. Um, must have been sort of properly sat down, had nothing else playing, just concentrate on the game. Uh, and it's good. It's good fun to get into those kind of zones. Um, but yeah, that was my experience with the Open. Uh, pretty happy overall. Pretty good fun. Yeah. That's good. That's good. I had to kind of get the sour taste out of my mouth. <laughs> of losing so swiftly mm -hmm. uh, by playing some standard um yeah because i have a new pet deck in standard which yes. i'm really enjoying playing um and i mean it feels so strong uh, and i've been on such a crazy win streak with it that it kind of put me back in good spirits after mm. swiftly being booted <laughs> out of the the open uh but the deck is saltai titan's nest and I think that it's good because it's a little off meta. Mm. Uh, and a lot of the time, you know, you start playing and people think that you're ultimatum. Uh, and then you're not. And so you can take them by surprise with your combo. 
which you can kind of go off with as early as turn five or six sometimes. Um, and so the whole deck revolves around uh, an Ikoria enchantment, which has mana value one black, green, blue, uh, called Titan's Nest, which has the ability at the beginning of your upkeep, look at the top card of your library, you may put it into the graveyard, and then exile a card from your graveyard, add one colorless mana. You can use that mana only to cast cards that have at least one color and don't have an X in their casting cost. So no crazy giant sharks with it, no casting Ugin with it, um, but it, you know, it's a, it's a kind of an off-meta enchantment which is hard to interact with uh, that exiles your graveyard, which is great against rogues, makes mana from your graveyard and allows you to ramp into really big threats. Mm -hmm. And I've found that it, it honestly feels like it goes over the top of the ultimatum decks. Mm -hmm. uh, it runs a bunch of counter spells, kill spells, draw spells that get cards into your graveyard, like curate and strategic planning and uh, thirst for meaning, like ways to discard cards into your graveyard. Um, and then like t the top end is Auron's Epiphany, Shark Typhoon, Professor Onyx, uh, cards you can ramp into. And it's felt really, really powerful. I think I, so I've only, I've, I've not been playing with it uh, tons and tons and tons, but I, I think I'm like 15 and two with it at the moment, uh, if you check out my stats, which is yeah. like an 87% win rate, uh, which is super high. And there's no way that it's that good a deck <laughs> yeah. uh, because that's, that's ridiculous stats. Um, but it is, it's, it feels really, really strong and it feels really well positioned in the meta at the Are moment. Are you playing best of three? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All best of three. Um, yeah. So that's 15 and two best of three. It's really good. Uh, yeah. The, the sideboard is good as well. Uh, so the, the deck runs no creatures at all. Uh, just Shark Typhoons, Auron's Epiphany. That's literally the only ways you have of making creatures. Mm -hmm. uh, nice. But <laughs> I do run four Lovestruck Beast in the sideboard. Uh, to bring in against mono red mm -hmm. and sometimes against uh yorian decks as well because they see no creatures in your deck list they take out their board wipes most of the Makes time sense. uh i've played against some people who have kept in their heartless acts post sideboard <laughs> and then they've got me with it because i'll start slamming with a love struck piece and they'll have a heartless act and i won't expect it because i would have taken that out yeah. against my deck of no mm. creatures so maybe maybe you know i'm thinking what are they going to sideboard out then I'm going to sideboard in my beast, but they're thinking, well, if I sideboard out my kill spells, he'll bring in some love strike beast, so I'll keep my kill mm -hmm. spells. There's no way they're thinking that far ahead. I don't know, I don't know how they know, uh, but yeah, I, I, like you can sideboard into this kind of just beatdown um, style deck with love strike beasts uh, and shark typhoons, um, and that tends to close out games two and three against uh, the ultimatum decks like it feels super strong and i've been really enjoying it and I've, cool. I've always liked these kinds of off meta decks i, I like that that's the where i like to exist in standard is slightly off meta mm. uh, so this one's fun yeah that's really definitely good. fun fun underdog deck i had a similar sort of experience with with your whole sideboarding thing there was a it was a historic match uh, obviously you guys don't know a whole lot about historic but doomblade is a card that's in historic which is one black for instance be destroyed target non-black creature mm. so my opponent was running that and the list i was running was death shadow mm. so death shadow is pretty much all black creatures um so there's me think i have one non-black creature which is bomac courier which is a one it's a colorless one mana haster basically um that's literally the only target they have for doomblade <laughs> 
and I was like, they they kept it in. They kept Doomblade in both game two and three, and I was like, hold on a sec. <laughs> <laughs> All of my creatures are black. <laughs> they have. There's no way. Like, what? I, yeah. they were playing, I think they were playing like a Sultai sixty card ultimatum or something, uh, something like that. And I was yeah, so it's like ultimatum but with no Yorian. And I'm like, why would you keep in Doomblade? Mm-hmm. It's it was a dead card in both of their yeah. ga- like all of their games basically. And it's just like, do they sideboard? <laughs> do they like? I don't know. Um, I think that at one point they did use it on the Bomat Courier, but I was like, okay, <laughs> cool. I was just so they a... could. They were like, kind of use it. Yeah, this it. is this is it. Like, I, I whenever something like that happens, I sit there thinking, okay, one of us is really bad at sideboard. <laughs> I don't know who it is. <laughs> like, I don't know whether I've just been completely played, or by by you or by myself. <laughs> Yeah, it was it was a really interesting moment. I thought because this they were in um, diamond rank, and I'm like, really? <laughs> like there, there are some. I mean, even in when I was in Mythic last season with Ronota, there were some really questionable decks in there. <laughs> I think I told you guys about the Orzov Clerics deck that was in Mythic, and I was like, this is crazy. This is really cool, but they were so bad. <laughs> it was such a bad deck, and like, how did you get it this far? <laughs> and it's impressive, to be fair. But yeah. Yeah, that was that was just a little thing that mm. happened to me. Uh, I thought that was pretty funny. Yeah, sideboarding <laughs> is an interesting art. Doomblade. <laughs> That's my mono black death shadow deck. But yeah, that was all. LSV, who is one of my favourite people to follow for Limited. He went 7 didn't he? Yeah, he yeah. 7 day 2. Yeah, so he got um, the monies. Opened nice. two mascot exhibitions, mm. which he just put in the main board. Uh, and, Did he? <laughs> yeah, and then added a bunch of Prismaria spells to recur them, like like oh, like um, Bibliopex Assistant and stuff. Yeah, like, just get them back and then recast. And so yeah, he was casting multiple mascot exhibitions every game. Yeah, mascot which is so is, uh, good. That's such a busted card. And he pulled two of them. Two of them. Yeah, so that's the Mythic Rare Sorcery. That is seven mana, seven colorless mana. It's a lesson, so you usually have them in your sideboard. <clears throat> but I guess running them in your main is good. It makes a so basically, it creates a two-one inkling, a three-two spirit summoning, a four-four elemental. Yeah, I think that's it. Mm. I think that's it. Does it not make a pest? No, it makes those three. Those Just three. those three. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think the like the reason to have it in your sideboard is that if you have good enough learn you always have access to it mm. but if you pack two of them yeah, I guess you just then just main board it it's good enough to run main that's another thing I wanted to discuss as well environmental sciences would you run that in the main board if I had multiple if I had multiple yeah, yeah would you run one if you pulled one I don't think so because so a lot been... of a lot of the learn is quite cheap yeah. and I, I think the power in sciences is the fixing when you need it yeah um yeah, being able to, like... So, I think on its own, as a card that you rip off the top of your deck, I don't think it's very good. Do you not? I think it's, yeah, I think it's fairly weak. It's it's the it's kind of like Companion. Like, being able True. to have access yeah. to it, being able to draw it when you need it, um, for basically free. Yeah, that's uh, good point. That's what makes it so, so good. That yeah. makes it a lot better. Yeah, I, I think as a card in the, in the 40... Uh, it's it's got it's got to be. That's I mean, it can't be any better than like cram session without learn. That was a bad comparison. Yeah, I don't know what that <laughs> was. But okay, so so what if if you're running a deck with like four good lessons, not including environmental sciences, but you have 
two two land cards in mm. your deck, do you run Science's Main? Like, say your four yeah. learn your other four lessons are like, uh, oh god, what are the other good ones? They're all really good. They're all good. I guess if you have like Inkling Summoning, but then you also what have, if you like... had four Rise of Exodus though? Then you never <laughs> want to learn for environmental exactly. sciences. Exactly. Exactly. So it depends. Yeah, yeah. It depends. It depends. I've, because I've, 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 I've thought that that card is so good on turn two, mm-hmm. and obviously if you're learning for it, if you're yeah. learning for it on turn one, that means you're wasting a Guiding Voice or wasting a what other one mana learn spells are there? I don't think there is any. Guiding voice. I guess I twitch uh, if you kill it. There's away. Um, academic dispute. Academic dispute. Yeah, like you're wasting those spells just to play sciences on turn two, and obviously sciences turn two is really good. But I, yeah, I I don't know. I've been wondering if it's so good I should just play it in the main board, but I guess I guess not. I think it is. You know, it, it's it's a good card. It's an okay card. Uh, but I think that it's just so much more powerful when you when you can, when you can search it. for it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, like hunt for, so... hunt for specimens into sciences is nice. Mm. Yeah, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Anyway, let's uh, let's move on, shall we? Yes, let's move on. So, what happened this week, Sarah? There was some news. There was some news. Uh huh. The Summer of Legend news. Yeah. So, obviously, the the news this week before the before the sealed event before the arena open. Uh, it's all about this summer, I suppose. Yeah, well, I think that the reason that they put together this article was to showcase some of the upcoming events. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, I mean, the, the intro to the article kind of sums it up nicely. So I'll read it here. The next few months will be some of the biggest ever in Wizards of the Coast history, and we're sharing a season-long set of experiences you don't want to miss. It's the Summer of Legend, and it has something for everyone, and then even more. Whoa. So this article is absolutely chock full of mm-hmm. news uh, and stuff. experiences and stuff, and I think that I think we just have to go through one by one and yeah. talk about yeah. each let's, piece as it comes. Let's go through it. Let's go. So what's the first thing mentioned here? The first thing looks like it is the if I can scroll up. Uh, <laughs> so Dungeons and Dragons Dark Alliance. Okay. Yeah. So. This is a new game, uh, kind of based on or inspired by Dungeons and Dungeons and Dragons. Um, it's called Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> yes, which so the, the Dungeons and Dragons part of the name alludes to popular Wizards of the Coast board game Dungeons and Dragons. Whoa, that's really smart. it's pretty subtle. You'd have to be a pretty elite fan like me yeah, to get that. Up thanks, on that. For, thanks for sharing that insight. With um, us. So I've had a uh, I've had a look into this game because. Historically, and by historically I mean within the last four weeks or so, <laughs> Wizards have released games based on their IPs which have been absolute garbage, not naming any names. Um, so I kind of expected the same from Dark Alliance. Mm-hmm. Uh, but looking into it, dare I say, from Wizards of the Coast, who have a terrible reputation for this kind of thing, uh, dare I say, this game looks good. Mm-hmm. So, some of the it, it, we need more information. Really, I, I am gonna ho- reserve judgment uh, and decide whether I'm gonna get it or not once I know a bit more about the game. Yeah. But some of the things that I did learn, which I consider positive signs for uh, an upcoming game, are the fact that the uh, the actual developer is not Wizards. Wizards is the 
publisher, um, and the developer is a small uh, kind of... Uh, I don't actually know how small they are, but a, a smaller, lesser-known developer. What the, do you know their name? Is it I a company? do know their name. Took, you say. How do you spell that? Uh, T-U-Q-U-E. I don't know how small they are, to be totally honest, but I've not come across them before. They're not one of the big ones. Yeah. Uh, the developer is called Took, and they were working on this game. They wanted to make a D&D game before they actually were even working with Wizards. They then approached Wizards and asked, you know, can we make this game? And Wizards said, no, we don't want anything to do with it. It's too small scale. We're not interested. Uh, but they continued to work on it, continued to develop it, uh, continued to try and find a way to make this game happen. Uh, and eventually they went back to Wizards and Wizards liked what they'd done and said, okay, we, we like the idea, we're on board. They doubled the game's budget. So Wizards gave them a bunch of money and said, if we're going to give you all this money, but you've got to make it bigger. You've got to make, you've got to scale the project up massively. Um, and that's a good sign because that t indicates to me that the origin of the game is a passion project, not how can we rinse as much money as possible by, yeah. by leveraging our IP even further. Uh, second, it is a multiplayer game, but it is party based. Um, I think you can only have up to four people and it's very, very, very combat focused. Okay. So they've put most of the work uh, into the combat um, and it's kind of um, kind of boss fight heavy. So it's been compared to like Gears of War, uh, but it's it's like very, very combat heavy. You work as a team of four, uh, mm -hmm. each of you playing a different character with slightly different traits and you basically just fight off tons of enemies. And so that seems to me like the kind of game that you'd be pretty hard-pressed to stuff microtransactions into, mm -hmm. um, which would also be a good sign. If there's a, if there's a single microtransaction in this game, then I will probably not buy it mm -hmm. because I vilify them. I think um, it definitely will be there, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah so we'll see. Yeah. There's, there's no sign of it so far. Uh, uh, there's no sign of that so far. We will see how the game develops, but there are positive signs mm -hmm. that this could actually be a decent game. It may not necessarily be to everybody's taste, being like a, a combat-heavy uh, kind of... Uh, it is an action RPG, so you like collect loot and then yeah. you, you gear up. Is but... it like hack and slash? Or... I don't know. I don't yes. Know. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So it's closer. To, yeah, it is closer to hack and slash. It sounds um, sounds sort of like Left 4 Dead or like Warhammer, sort of like the four player hack and slash. Yes, possibly. Kind of, in in that you know th there is not many actual actions. Like there are a couple of attacks. Mm. Kind of. So I'm, I'm a bit like reminiscent. It's reminiscent of Smash Brothers in that there are only a few inputs, but there's a lot of complexity in okay. how you do things. Um, like th there's only two attack buttons in yeah. Smash, but you could do so much with those two attacks. Yeah. Uh, it seems like that. It seems like uh, th there's a very complex uh, combat system. And okay. honestly, it, it seems like whilst it won't be to everybody's taste, uh, it will be a good game for what it is. It looks like they're going to, they're executing well what they aimed to do. And that is what makes a good game for me. So yeah. I am looking forward to hearing more about this, and I actually am oddly optimistic 
about this endeavor and i really hope that it is what i hope it is and i really hope that it's successful in that case because Mm. this is the kind of stuff that i would like to see i'd like to see wizards using their ip to create passion projects good things yeah (laughs) not just milking it yeah yeah we'll definitely keep up with the production of this game then and i guess we can report back on what we've seen when it comes out when does it come out when's the release date june 22nd june 22nd so that's is that similar to when the D and D set releases? Uh, when does D and D set release? That should... uh, last Strixhaven was April seventeenth, right, or April twenty fifth? One of those. One of those with the pre release. <laughs> it does say in the article. Yeah. But a little ways so down. Little ways so ways like, down. You know, July this this article is chock full of stuff. Uh, let's let's go through it uh, numerically. Then. Oh, here we go. June sixteenth. Mm. Okay. June 16th. Oh no, June, uh, July. Sorry, July. July twenty yeah. third. July twenty third. Yeah, I thought so. Yeah. Um, okay, so sort of similar time, I guess. But yeah, we'll see how that turns out. Um, and then, then, yeah, we can report back on that. Uh, so the next thing on the article is, uh, well, it's Modern Horizons 2. Not None of us really play, well, none of us play Modern. No. <laughs> no. Um, but it's cool to see what they're doing in that format. The, they printed the fe- enemy fetch lands. It is cool to see. Um, the last Modern Horizons set, did have some big changes for Pauper, which is also an eternal format, mm-hmm. uh, and for Commander. Okay. So I am looking forward to what they do with the set. Even right. Oh, do I'm they have like rarity player. shifts and stuff? Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, that's interesting. Uh, so one big thing is that they are reprinting the enemy fetch lands, uh, which has been something that people have been asking for for years. Hmm. Um, and this is good to see them being printed into a widely released set. Yeah. rather than like a secret layer or something uh, is exactly what we wanted so i am very glad to see this it kind of connotes that they'll do the other half at some point soon mm. and this is good like these are really desperately needed reprints for the people who want to play them yeah so they're this expensive is cards and they're... yeah i don't know if the price will go down too much because modern packs are usually they double the price of regular packs mm-hmm. aren't they they'll likely still be too expensive for me to pick up as a non-modern player but the price will go down, and that's mm. what's important. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's cool to see the enemy fetch lands being printed in. So wait, wait. So they're they're not in. They're not modern legal now, or those reprints. They are modern legal now, as in before the before they printed. So before this printing of them, was it just the other five fetch lands that were in modern? No, I'm pretty sure all of them were, they were. modern legal. Yeah. So this is just a reprint. Yeah, this is just a reprint. Okay. <laughs> Which will bring down the price. Got it. So no- nothing like meta game changing. Well, uh, except for counterspell. That's. Uh, yeah, counter, yeah. It? So counterspell is being reprinted. The original. Um, OG. And there's some other stuff as well. Counterspell. Uh, Sanctum prelates being reprinted, mm-hmm. uh, counterspell, and then of course we've seen Urza Saga, which oh, is yeah. an enchantment land. So yeah, they've already shown us three cards that are either being reprinted or are being printed, and they look powerful. So they probably will. I mean, I, I would imagine that Modern Horizons 2 will impact Modern in a pretty big way. Uh, Modern Horizons 1 all but broke Modern because they printed Hogak. So mm-hmm. let's see what they do this time. Yeah, let's see. Okay, so yeah, we don't have a whole lot to say about Modern because we don't play but we'll move on uh moving on to dungeons and dragons adventures in the forgotten realms how exciting so that is the next expansion for magic the gathering uh, yeah we've just had strixhaven but it, it, you know it's crazy it feels like we get one every week 
Um, but this is really cool. So this is a replacement for the Corsair. Mm -hmm. um, they're not doing Corsair 22. They are instead doing this. Uh, what do you guys think of that, first of all? What do you guys think of replacing the Corsair with it? With a themed set? Because normally Corsairs don't really have like a... Uh, what would you say? Like a story, yeah. I guess? Like a lore, a lore behind them? And I don't think that this... Um, this set will either. Do you not so, think? I don't know, um, but I'm pretty sure that the reason that they're able to make this switch, uh, this set for the core set, is that both of them are going to be kind of generic. Yeah, that's a good um, point. Yeah. yeah, so I'm actually not expecting a story from this set because D&D &D is not about the, the story. story. Yeah. There is no one single story of the Forgotten Realms. I think the spirit of D&D &D is that everybody who plays D&D &D has their own story that they've created in the Forgotten Realms. And so to kind of print a single story doesn't feel right. I think that the way that they seem to be doing it uh, with the kind of like story prompts on the lands, which I think is really, really cool. Um, each, each basic land has a little story prompt mm -hmm. on it. Uh, so, for example, Plains has written on it, Venturing beneath the desert sands, you've discovered an alien power pulsing with inconceivable energy. That's pretty cool. Yeah, and so they're kind of like prompts to start a little D&D &D story. And it seems to me that that's celebrating the idea of making your own story. Mm -hmm. uh, of, And so I think that's what the set's going to be focused on. It's going to be just a... A snippet of the Forgotten Realms. The Forgotten Realms is supposed to be this sort of glorious fantasy setting that you can have your own adventure in. So yeah, I, I can't really, I don't think it would be right to put in a story. And yeah. for that reason, I actually think this is a perfectly good uh, thing to do, to swap yeah. out a core set for this one. Yeah, that I think makes, it's a good idea. Makes total sense. What do you, what do you guys think will be, what do you guys like expect from the set? Having looked at some of the, the little, the few spoilers they've shown us, would you guys kind of think, yeah, what do you guys expect? What kind of mechanics, maybe? What kind of power level, I guess? So I'm expecting a lot of uh, kind of homages to D&D &D items. Mm -hmm. So it could be an equipment-heavy set. Okay. Um, yeah, The the one of the preview cards is, uh, what's it called? Vorpal Sword? Vorpal Sword, yeah. So Vorpal Sword is a... Cost what? It costs black, one mana black. Uh, artifact equipment. Equipped creature gets plus two, plus zero, and has death touch, which is pretty good. Mm -hmm. uh, it has an equipped cost of two black, or black black, sorry. Uh, and it has an ability of five black, black, black. Until end of turn, Vorpal Sword gains whenever the equipped creature deals damage to a player, that player loses the game. That's pretty intense. That is that's pretty intense wording. Yeah. Uh, anything that makes some uh, player instantly lose the game kind of yeah. just gets everybody's uh, gets everybody's yeah. yeah gets everybody's attention. Probably the cheap, most cheaply costed card that says "win lose the game" on mm -hmm. it. <laughs> One yeah. mana. Um, um, but yeah, ultimately, like th this could be an equipment heavy set. I don't know whether that's the route they'll go down. Uh, D and D, you know, they just they just have so much to play with. There, mm -hmm. they really could do anything. Yeah. Some of the things that I think people have been expecting to see are dice based mechanics. Yeah, um, and possibly even level up mechanics, making a return. Which and mm -hmm. I can see both of those because those are two prevalent parts of D and D. I want to know how they're going to handle planeswalkers in this That's set. That's what I was just about to ask, actually. Yeah, like, do you guys do you guys reckon there'll be any planeswalkers? I don't know because the core sets just 
uh, normally had planeswalkers kind of Just doing their thing. Yeah, doing yeah. their thing, not really a part of their overarching story. So if there are any planeswalkers in this set, it would surely most likely be people or planeswalkers that aren't currently in major story arcs. Mm. Um, and, you know, what does that say for the lore that these planeswalkers are on the Forgotten Realms? Mm. Yeah. I don't know whether like that ended? complicates things. Yeah. Like, uh, I guess that, like how much more is there left to explore of Jace? I think they've, I think, didn't they say something about how universes beyond were not necessarily part of the magic multiverse? Yeah, we yeah. talked about this. Yeah. So if that's the case, then the planeswalkers could not exist in this set. There Mm -hmm. could be no planeswalkers, which I think would be a first for a long time. Yeah, there would be. So I'm interested to see what they do with that. Yeah, they always usually have some kind of one or two planeswalkers. Yeah. Um, Yeah, that is going to be interesting. We could see. So on on the whole, like, anti-story kind of thing, we could see, like, a Gideon planeswalker. Because obviously he's dead in the story. So maybe Mm. this is where they could make him like appear yeah like just sort of doing his thing like like it could it wouldn't have like a timeline it could be like gideon from a younger age or yeah. something finally like dies that. in the magic ip yeah wakes up in the D ip <laughs> exactly you know he's had a he's had a promotion <laughs> um but yeah so we haven't got a whole lot of the spoilers we've seen a couple cards some of them look really good um, uh, we've seen some really cool cards i think so yeah we've seen tiamat printed on a card yeah which i think uh, for anybody who's been playing D&D for some time, will generate large amounts of hype. <laughs> uh, like, Tiamat being printed on a card is awesome. Yeah. We get new artwork for Tiamat as well, which is already just really cool. Um, uh, people are talking about it being, you know, a dragony set, given that it's Dungeons & Dragons. Mm-hmm. What other famous dragons are we going to see? Are we going to see Bahamut printed as well? Like... These are these are iconic parts of D and D that have been in people's lives and in their stories and in their in their imaginations for decades, and now they're seeing them printed into Magic. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, for like the people that I know who who really enjoy D and D and Magic, this is a really exciting time. Uh, it's a really exciting set to start to see uh, a little bit more of. So, uh, yeah, I'm I'm pretty excited about this. Yeah. Yeah, I've not. So I'm not actually really familiar with like Tiamat, so I don't. I don't feel any sort of like a. I guess like an excitement. Yeah. Because um, I I don't really play Dungeons and Dragons, but it's cool to see. I you can tell that like from the card that it's really, you know, it's a it's a it's a, it's a thing, yeah. right? It's a it's a hype thing. That it's just called Tiamat, like Madonna. <laughs> <laughs> I think oh, that the equivalent. That would be like imagine if they printed a an avatar the last airbender set right. imagine if they spoiled a card that was fire lord ozai right you know, okay like you you well, think I feel like that like, would be obvious though what do you mean obvious as in like if they're going to print an avatar set they're obviously going to put fire lord ozai in right yeah i mean well, they're obviously going to put tiamat in. right okay tiamat's kind of the iconic he's, he's like dragon there. she Oh, is the iconic dragon well, technically it's bad they, guy right? there's like five of them yeah it's, it's, it's got to be a they right well, there's a, there's a few. I of think them. that's up to her. Well, is is it one mind or is it five? How does how does Tiamat work, Josh? We don't know. Yeah, we don't know. Tell it's us. a tell us. Yeah, I I I don't know the specifics. What if there's five different 
What if it's five different dragons? Why don't I run a D&D campaign for us? <laughs> yeah. And your story prompt can be... It's to find out. The, yeah, you, you, to go and ask Tiamat okay. what her preferred pronouns are. What are, are you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's that pretty much wraps up the D&D spoilers we have so far. Official spoilers? No, it doesn't. No, it Does doesn't. It Wait, as in card spoilers? Well... Or the D&D... You can carry on, Josh. Go on. <laughs> So the other thing that we've seen from the uh, Adventures in the Forgotten Realm is the altar they've yeah. released, the, the kind of blueprint for that. And it, as uh, a, quite a few of us guessed when they first announced the set, it's based on the um, like monster stat blocks in the rule books. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's really cool. Yeah. Like, it looks great. It looks gorgeous. Uh, it's a really nice altar. Um, I haven't. I wasn't a huge fan of like the altar in Kaldheim. Mm-hmm. I did really like Strixhaven's Mystical Archive art. Yeah. Um, I really like this. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm. I'm. I think this is a just. They've just knocked it out of the park with this design. Mm-hmm. It's very nostalgic, but it it's quite clean at the same time. And it, I'm looking forward to looking forward to seeing some more cards in this style. They look similar to the sort of storybook adventures from Eldraine. Yeah, which, is, which, which makes is sense, great. right? Because D and D is very story yeah, based. Storybook, yeah. <laughs> Didn't we just say twenty minutes ago that it's not story based? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Come well, on, John. It's, it's it is story based, but it, it's, right? it's, it's your story. story. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, so they also released the names of the the commander decks. Uh, yes, the yeah. Adventures of the Forgotten Realms commander decks. So we've got Aura of Courage, Dungeons of Death. Draconic Rage and Planar Portal. Okay, so, so that, guesses. That gives what some... colours do we think these are? So what's the first one? Aura of Courage. So that's going to be a white-based aura, yeah. right? Could you be. would think so, yeah. And uh, so Paladin is a class in D anD D. So there isn't a Paladin creature type in Magic. Maybe we'll see knights we'll see that. Yeah. instead. Knights uh, Aura of Courage. Okay, yeah. Yeah. So it. like, uh, it could just be white. It could be, I mean, it could be white splashing anything, mm. but it's likely to be white. Draconic Rage, I wonder. Mm. <laughs> I think that one's going to be about equipment. <laughs> yeah, we can assume a Draconic Rage is going to be probably like maybe even five color. Yeah. Actually, well, they do that for a precon? I don't think they I would. Think they would they? I think, no, because the land base that they'd be willing to give oh, you God, would be yeah. garbage. Yeah. <laughs> like, it would be really bad. Yeah, so um, maybe like I think, a red I think base. this is, is going to be rooted in red, Draconic Rage. Red, for sure. red X. Dungeons of Death rooted in black. Maybe it'll be Golgari with some. What do you think Dungeons play. of Death means? Though, what maybe there's like a new dungeon mechanic? Like Possibly. A, what if it's yeah. like a? What if it's like in Yu-Gi-Oh where you have the field cards and you change the battlefield? That's interesting. That is interesting. That's an interesting mechanic. Like you. So isn't that just be... what enchantments do though? Like mm. on a, on a, on a core gameplay level. I guess. So. Like if you if you made a like a terrain changing. Uh, like change the field so that yeah. I don't know uh, black creatures get minus one minus one white creatures get plus one plus one that's just an enchantment really but I suppose but then I guess it's like the core focus what if there's like a subtype like an enchantment terrain yeah. and it's like a it's always going to be affecting the whole board so it always affects the opponent's creatures as well yeah something like that that could be pretty cool that hmm. could be cool I, I think that's interesting terrain um, yeah. so then playing our portal I mean ooh Planar Portal. It sounds bluish to me. Planar yeah. Portal. It could be quite flicker heavy, oh. which excites me. <laughs> <laughs> which excites uh. me because I have a flicker deck. Yeah. So they might get some new cards in that. Planar Portal. 
That sounds interesting. It could be about cheating massive threats into play. I, yeah, I feel <laughs> like it could be something to do with like Mono Blue Ramp. Mono Blue. I'd love to see it. I'd love to see <laughs> something something. I, I like really that. did enjoy Lawhold in Strixhaven in terms yeah. of the playing with the color pie. A the, bit. Yeah, like, like playing red with white the, being the shards, yeah. a graveyard based mm. strategy. I think that's so cool, and I would love to see. Like, I really wanted to see what if um, if they did the other five colors for Strixhaven. What kind of things you'd expect like what would you expect from like a Rakdos school yeah you know oh, like so how, cool. do, how do they twist that that could be so cool what if they're like the good kids <laughs> they're the goody two shoes they're like the nerds that would upset me yeah yeah <laughs> as don't, a, don't as do a that. Rakdos player <laughs> but just Rakdos just don't make them good that's not what they are true it'd be a circus but school but they'd be the bullies then no it'd be a circus school Rakdos but that's what Prismari is true they're a drama circus okay so what different. subject would Rakdos Specialize in circus. Circus is not a subject. I can like can't get a GCSE in circus. And you can get a GCSE in what? What do Witherbloom do? Environmental sciences. Yeah, they're like the potion potions can class. Can you get a GCSE in potions? No, but you could get a GCSE <laughs> in chemistry. chemistry. That's not the same. <laughs> it is. Nope. <laughs> I bet you can get some type of GCSE type thing in circus somewhere. Circus. Yeah. When I think of Rakdos, I think of like well, yeah, by, if like by GCSE yeah. type thing you mean qualification, then yeah, I'm sure you could get a qualification in circus from <laughs> somewhere. Yeah. But you can get a priesthood from Alabama, <laughs> so so you can get anything from anywhere. Okay. <laughs> so why does it matter that I think circus? <laughs> they can be circus. You can't. <laughs> All right. You got me there. Fine. Well, the thing is, though, like, the the whole circus thing, like, they are, like, the, the devil circus, like, jester kind of thing. But yeah. that is what they already are. Mm-hmm. Strixhaven sort of flipped the colour pie yeah, a little bit. Yeah, but it'd just bit. be lame if they were good. But not, not okay, not flipped, but different. Because, like, Boros, Lawhold isn't the opposite of what it normally is, like, the soldiers and stuff. It's just, like, spirits and graveyard synergies. That's usually, like, black-white stuff. Mm. And that's from red-white. So how would it Wizard change? Wizardbloom is pretty similar, though, to... Mm-hmm. Is it Golgari? Well, that's the thing. I wouldn't say so. No? I think Golgari is a lot more about the graveyard undergrowth kind of... I suppose of it's death, but it's Gross not... death zombie yeah. reanimation. Yeah, with Wither Bloom, Bloom is about... Not, no reanimation. No reanimation. It's all about life gain. That's like the mm-hmm. main thing, um, which is different. So I think that if you were trying to figure it out, you've got to look at what the colours do in Strixhaven already. Mm-hmm. So Prismari and Lawhold have red. Mm-hmm. Um, it's... In in what red adds to those colours is I think it's the graveyard recursion. No, oh. no, a lot of that's in white. So what red cards are What what's like what what red can you define red as in Strixhaven? It's really difficult. It's really yeah. difficult. I don't know, because I don't think there's one this color. This is maybe why that's we shouldn't be game designers. There's not they don't do one that's not there isn't one colour in Strixhaven, yeah. is there? So well, I don't what, think you what, can if we... what red does. What if we tried another goal? What about Gruul? What would Gruul do differently? They'd be like the wizards, the spellslingers, <laughs> as opposed to the... Hmm. I guess there's no, like... I guess Prismari is still kind of spellslingery. So this is... I think this is why I like Strixhaven so much, because mm-hmm. when I think of Gruul, I just cannot think of anything but Stompy. But Stompy. So, but, I, if... but I would have thought the same about Boros, I think. Exactly. Mm. Um, like, Boros made it different in a, in a good way. Then, yeah, they, they did a really good job It'd with be the difficult mechanics there. To... 
I mean, it's not our job to come up with it. Thank yes, we're doing a really bad job of it. But what we can do is praise the good job that the game designers and did. And incite this conversation to people at home. What do you guys think would be cool, sort of... Do you say we can incite this conversation? Yeah, for, like, people to discuss at home. As in I-N-C-I-T-E? What does incite mean? <laughs> Oh, yeah, no, Insight, yeah, I-N-C-I-T-E. I That's guess, what I meant, yeah. I mean, that... that Not Top Deck Insight. Yeah, okay. That, no, no, that works. get, get the, that word want. out of your head. Insight, <laughs> not Insight. Yeah. Top Deck Insight. Top Deck Insight. No, yeah, I meant to, like, say, so, yeah, like, people at home, you know, what do you guys think could be alternative routes that they could take for the other colour pairs? Like, for Demir, that's usually, like, the spy, rogues, ninjas kind of thing. What could they do to make that different? Really yeah. loud people. Yeah. <laughs> well, you can't just go opposite. <laughs> <laughs> like, Let me do what I want. We'd like to see some kind of creative thoughts on the colour pie. Like, how did they arrive at Graveyard Recursion for Red White? Exactly. We don't know. Mm. I guess they just went with spirits and then they thought Graveyard. Yeah. Mm. What if Demir was like giants, you know? Demir giants. Mm. Could be. Could be. Could be. Blue White. Blue really White would be hard to change me. as well. The, the other colours I feel like are so defined the, mm. the five Strixhaven ones I feel like they've done a good job of making them different I can't imagine anything I guess it's because we have Strixhaven yeah. but like I really can't imagine blue white not being blue white and red green not being red green yeah like, yeah, they are they're, stompy. They're very white cemented. is control they've done a really good job of challenging those mm-hmm. uh, those presuppositions yeah it'd be cool to see if they did did it in the future they flipped it around but i don't think they do have any plans for that because the next the next set after the D one is innistrad and that's probably going to be back to basics innistrad like vampires werewolves mm. black mm. red vampires probably that's probably gonna be back to basics isn't it so yeah i mean back to well back to yeah like a more normal expected set structure yeah. except for the fact that it's going to be a block uh we're gonna have yeah. two sets in a row mm. set on innistrad is cool which is haven't cool we've done that in a while we haven't yeah we haven't seen that in a while and i think it's a good thing because like so kaldheim for instance mm-hmm. um one of the biggest things about kaldheim was that it brought in snow mm-hmm. but there wasn't enough of an impact that snow had on any of the constructed formats um and so if they were doing like an arc with kaldheim and we had another set coming up uh which was kaldheim then they might have been able to sort of course correct a little bit mm-hmm. and give us some cool snow stuff that works in standard. Yeah. Um, and uh, so I like the idea of an arc. Like they might print a new mechanic in Innistrad in the Crimson Wedding, I think is. No, it's the um, Midnight Hunt that's first, isn't it? Yes. I think Werewolves comes first yeah. and then it's the Vampire's Wedding thing. So they might release a new mechanic in Midnight Hunt and, you know, it's really cool. Um, and everybody likes it, but it's not quite impactful enough in standard. And they can bump it up a little bit in the next set. Mm-hmm. I think that the arc system lets you sort of course correct a little bit, which I'd like to see. I think that's yeah. pretty cool. Because we're not likely to go and get more snow mechanics before Kaldheim rotates out. Uh, and it would have been nice for snow to actually be seriously good in standard. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think snow is tier one. Right? Well, I mean, mono red snow is pretty much tier one. Yeah, but that's just mono it's, it's red. Just, <laughs> it's just got snow. That's, uh, yeah, that, that's yeah. the thing. The thing is, though, snow snow itself. I don't think because it's such a good mechanic, it's going to be a mechanic that put is put into tier one decks and mm-hmm. not a deck in itself. Yeah. 
because it's just such a consistent like there's no reason not to run yeah. mono red snow because you need you, it's just, faceless haven is so good and frostbite is so good in that deck mm -hmm. that yeah there's no reason not to and uh, yeah there's never been like a snow i mean in all of constructed since cal time i don't think i've ever seen a snow deck snow based deck like a saltai snow deck or something um yeah so that kind of that kind of mechanic is hard to it's because it's such a good mechanic because yeah. it's a bit a bit imbalanced to be honest yes and they have in other in older constructed formats they've overdone it with snow exactly in, in the last modern horizons they printed arkham's astrolabe which is uh was a common mm. um a snow related common and it was just absurdly powerful in modern and in pauper mm. uh and i think it might have even been played in like legacy or something <laughs> um and so yeah yeah i think i think i'd rather they underdid it than overdid it but having an arc uh or having like block style sets would allow them to course correct a little yeah. bit i think mm. so yeah i'm looking forward to that and looking forward to the future of magic seeing what they do after that it's almost that time of well not really we have three sets technically to get through are they doing it are they doing the Innistrad block over so like three months apart is that what they're doing so. i'm not sure to be honest that actually, would be interesting. So that's actually... So that takes up a whole quarter. That's after the Summer of Legend. Mm. Summer of Legend ends before the Innistrad mm. block starts coming out. <laughs> oh no, so, it's not going to yeah, be very good. We're getting way ahead of ourselves. <laughs> Whatever it's going to be, it's not going to be... It's going to be legendary. It's not going to be legendary. I don't know how it's going to follow up the Summer of Legend. Mm-hmm. Um, watch the D&D &D set be the worst one. <laughs> <laughs> like, it'd be like when War of the Spark was like the most exciting set and then everyone hated it. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and the same with Eldrain. Like yeah. Eldrain was a really cool set, I think, and uh, yeah. and now everybody's just sick to death. Everyone's sick of, of Eldrain of how dominating it is. Yeah, yeah, it's unfortunate. Eldrain was really cool. I think Eldrain really was like one of my favorite sets. To yeah, so there is more on here, but the rest of it is arena related. Uh, there are some changes to historic mm -hmm. uh, and some upcoming events in arena that we'll want to talk about as well. Uh, I think. Maybe we'll save that for a future episode yeah. because that's not going anywhere. And there really was a lot of news in this article. Uh, we, I think we've gotten through enough of it. Uh, so if you're particularly interested in Arena, you'll just have to catch us next week. Grandiose, multi-dimensional, at home, in store, on screen, your choice, your fun, your way, unless you want to play Brawl with your friends on Arena, <laughs> or you want to go and play Draft in live person. Or you want to play multi-phase cards in this weekend's championship <laughs> qualifier. <laughs> You're not allowed to play dual-phase cards. God. <laughs> or you want to participate... In the sealed event, because the client doesn't work right yeah. now. Uh, but other Summer than, of Legends! Other than, other than those things, you'll find your way. There you go. Oh, yeah. Wizards in higher. We'll just jump off from that. Summer of Legends. Summer of Legends. What a terrible start to the Summer of Legends.